Hi, it's Katie Harris, and this is an episode of the Nursepreneur Podcast. Uh, today, we have Monica Moore on with us from Fertility Nurse, uh, fertilityhealthexpert.com. Monica, thanks so much for being here with us today. Oh, I'm so happy to be here, Katie. Thanks for having me. Uh, so why don't you start out and tell us a little bit about you as a nurse? What kind of nurse um, are you, and, and how did you get started? Sure. I um, started off in the neonatal, neonatal ICU in New York City. I grew up in a small town in Delaware, so there was, it was a big change, and, um, and I loved it. And then I went into labor and delivery and loved it, and then decided I wanted to go back and be a women's health nurse practitioner. So I went back to grad school, uh, got my master's in women's health, went back up to New York City and was ready to be gainfully employed and had a tough time actually finding a job is, as a women's health nurse practitioner, you know, kind of working in a clinic, a uh, generalist. So one of the infertility centers there hired me. This was 25 years ago. So they didn't really know what a nurse practitioner was and I didn't know what infertility was. <laughs> so we sort of decided we would take six months to learn about each other. And if it was a good fit, um, we would continue on. And so that's how I got interested in fertility. And I've uh, worked in the field and now educate nurses in fertility. I, I love reproductive endocrinology. It was something that I kind of stumbled into and it became really uh, fortuitous. So that's uh, where I am. So now my business is educating nurses in infertility and then working with clients, but as a health coach, you know, that I'm sure we'll talk about later. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, that, that's really funny that they didn't really know what a nurse practitioner was and, and then yet they still hired you on. So they must have seen something in, in you and, and really wanted to work with you. I hope that's the case. You know, they at that point, they were worried that I was going to be competing with the fellows and residents because it's a teaching hospital. And they're like, well, how are we going to train them and still do things with you? I was like, I'm sure we can find a way. And so the good news is there wasn't a lot of kind of mist to dispel. <laughs> I was led the way or, you know, paved the way, I guess, in terms of that. So I didn't have to have come, kind of come with a lot of baggage or other issues, but um, they've hired nurse practitioners ever since. So I hear. So, <laughs> I was so going to say, they probably don't know how they function without nurse practitioners. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yes. I'll uh, take credit for it, even if the credit isn't due. <laughs> Are you still in New York City or did you move out of New York City? I'm not. I actually am in Florida. I work remotely now. I still work for uh, the center I worked in, Infertility Center, was in Connecticut prior to this. I still commit about 20 hours a week of work to them, um, all remote. And, um, and then I have other clients that are health coaching clients or other clients that are infertility centers that ask me to train their nurse all over, nurses all over the country. But I work from home from Florida and then I travel, uh, you know, kind of pre and post COVID to those places. Okay, so why don't you tell us um, what your business is and, and then we can take it from there. It's really, it's, so it's called um, Fertile Health and my website is fertilehealthexpert.com. And it's really has two kind of interrelated, separate but interrelated arms. So the, I started off doing, um, when I moved to Florida, doing nursing education um, to train nurses. I felt that there was a really big need. I feel like there's one in every field, but particularly in infertility, um, there was no, there's no real kind of certification exam uh, for that that's national. People are getting trained on the fly as happens with nurses. It's the really kind of busy uh, nurses that are there training that don't have the materials and really don't have the time. And um, so I experienced that. I was the, the perpetrator of that. I was the victim of that. 
So I decided I wanted to basically um, create resources that I wish I would have had. And so that is an online, uh, uh, online materials that I then supplement with um, video conferencing calls or I'll go and do workshops. So after a few years of that, I realized I really missed patient care, particularly um, kind of the wellness aspect, taking care of the whole patient. Um, I've done you know, the infertility kind of part in the meds for a long time, but so much of it has to do with coping mechanisms and has to do with behavioral techniques and has to do with nutrition and exercise. And I, I missed that part of it, but I also didn't want to have to get a license in malpractice insurance in every state. So I thought, and how can I do this? So I got my health coaching certification and life coaching certification to kind of work on the behavioral aspect. And now I um, offer those services to any center most of the time, centers will send me a, a client who is trying to meet a certain BMI criteria at that center. They usually fall into one of the obesity categories in the BMI chart, which is not my favorite um, way uh, to measure health, but it's a way that centers were kind of stuck doing, especially with you know anesthesia protocols. So they come to me to sort of um, lose weight. Um, and then what I end up doing is just trying to really make them sort of the best kind of version of them, whatever that looks like. Um, on a scale or really as far as I'm concerned, metabolically. Um, and then I hopefully send them back to their centers. They, some of them will see me in early pregnancy as well. Um, so I have both of those, uh, I do both of those um, things and aspects and, and I love it. It gives me a chance to really work with patients again. And it gives me a chance to kind of the nursing aspect of infertility that has always been my passion. Okay, so the, going back to the nursing education, so you decided first, you felt like there was a need for training nurses in infertility. Um, and, you know, for some reason, I feel like almost every field is that way. I had, we had the same issue in neurocritical care. There was like nothing when I first started and, you know, we had to write it all. Um, and, but I didn't get any credit for that. So <laughs> you wrote the educational materials for nurses and were they asking for this? Was this something that they paid for? Um, or is this something that you did kind of because it was just needed? Um, so really, it, I would do it for particular centers, and, and that ended up being their intellectual property. You know, I would do it for that particular center, help them write a protocol. And then what I realized is certain learning modules I was doing kind of over and over and over again. Um, and I really try to take the principles of adult learning into consideration when I teach. And so that is, you know, shorter sessions, video, audio. Um, no one has the attention span for kind of 45 minute. PowerPoint presentation anymore. So I, I, I decided to make my own kind of eight to 12, depending on what they need, learning modules that has a video kind of a component, an online component, and then I jump in and teach them. So I do that as my business, but I've also done it for places and created center specific ones that end up being um, kind of belonging to that practice. Um, most of the time they want me to treat, teach the nurses theory, and then they will have kind of a, a nurse liaison that works the practice, an experienced nurse to teach center specific aspects okay. of that. Okay. And then how did you um, kind of pair up with these different centers? Did you go from center to center and say, hey, I'm Monica, I, I, this is what I do, or how did that work out? You know, it's, it's a funny question. So I spent <laughs> a lot of time marketing myself and it makes me feel super cheesy. Um, I'm sure you've had people on this before. I just am not, I, I have all these different social media sites, right? So 
I, I just, I realized I'm really good kind of on LinkedIn. And then I have a um, particular um, web uh, social media site on Instagram for my personal and then my work one. And so I keep forgetting to post on Instagram or post here. And I got something from Instagram that said the other day that said, this post is doing better than 98% of your other posts. And I was like, oh my God, I must have like a hundred likes. And I had 19. <laughs> I was like, I gotta get back on uh, the Instagram. But I was putting a lot of kind of time and effort into it. Now, some of the stuff happened organically because I have some of my clients, the health coaching clients send me pictures of their meals. So I'll post kind of pictures of their meals on there, but other stuff felt very forced. Um, look what I'm doing and I'm so happy to be receiving this, whatever. And I knew kind of I had to do it and I had to build something, but now all of my referrals are word of mouth. So I'm so lucky that I don't have to do this kind of weird marketing. I can actually put something out that I feel like is an extension of what I do and, but it doesn't feel forced. It doesn't, it feels very, you know, authentic and honest. Like here is something that I read or here is something, you know, like something, let's say with COVID with, you know, pregnant women, I can put out, here's an article if you're worried about your fertility with COVID. So that feels real and accurate and not forced to me. But now I just have people that, you know, reach me through word of mouth and I, I don't have to do the marketing. The marketing seemed to be, I thought it was going to be fun. It ended up being that I wasn't good at it. And it was my least favorite thing. And I spent a lot of time on it. I decided I would say to- you took the best of it because like the word of mouth, personal contact, that is like the most powerful thing that you can do as opposed to like dancing on TikTok and pointing to like random stuff. And I'm like, what is, I don't understand. I, I don't understand this at all. But um, yeah, so having that personal contact and going out and that's a, a lot of what we tell our nurses to do that are, that are interested in starting a business. Like just tell people what you do <laughs> and, exactly. and share stories. Cause I and think even st- better your clients then tell people what you do. You know, if I feel like if my time was spent posting something that felt weird like self-congratulatory is what it felt like to me, particularly on LinkedIn. Like, yay me, I got this, whatever. But if somebody else posted, wow, we really had a great session with Monica. You know, she taught us this. That's so meaningful and important. And certainly in terms of reach and, um, and how powerful and impactful that's going to be to get other clients. To me, doing that session better and, and reaching out and sending follow-up emails and really trying to personalize it and make it what they want. That's where my time and effort is better spent. And then the marketing kind of comes, at least that's been my experience. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and because anything you say about yourself sounds like bragging, whatever anybody else says about you is like the truth, <laughs> you know, and there, there's certainly exactly. a, you know, a mix in there for sure. But um, yeah, no, getting people to, to talk about you one is hard because you know, how many times have you been asked for a testimonial for a service mm-hmm. that you've had? And you're like, oh my God, just one more testimonial. But like when you get that outstanding service, it's it's really great. Um, all right. So, and when did you start that, the, the nursing education piece? That was, so you've been a, a nurse practitioner for over 20 years. When did you mm-hmm. start working on the nursing education piece and, and marketing that? That's been almost 10 years, 2012. Oh, um, I knew when I moved to Florida, I had looked at a couple infertility centers here to work there. And there was just something that was telling me, first of all, my experience in Connecticut with the staff and colleagues was so amazing that I was like, I this bar has been set too high. I don't want to go some other place and compare it with my colleagues and people there. 
And then I was, you know, I talked to my husband about it as well. And I was like, he's like, this is the time to actually try something. We moved to Florida for a different quality of life, you know, to have a street for my you know, kids to play on. So it's like, sort of like, don't try to recreate the same thing there here. I feel like that felt going backwards to me. So I started it uh, then. I still worked, you know, like I said, as a nurse and I did coverage in Connecticut so that I, because I didn't have enough clients yet. And then I was able to, in that 10 years, to build enough of a base that um, I, you know, can, I have enough clients now that I train their nurses. I think what happens sometimes too, is a nurse will meet me at a conference or hear me talk at a conference and they go, they go back to their workplace and they talk to whoever is in charge of being able to pay for somebody to come in. Like we met her and we think she's great. And we really want to have these services and this would be great. And they call me and then I'm like, okay, here's my fee. And the doctor's like, oh, or the, you know, I'm like, yeah, we have to pay fee. you. <laughs> there's a fee. Um, and at first I thought about lowering my fee. And then I thought about, well, maybe I'll just do a free session. And then I decided not to do that. That becomes a slippery slope and it sets a precedent. And it, you know, it, I'm worth it at this point. It's kind of like, I think when you've done it for a while, you have the, the billable hours. Like I know that my hours are, are worth that at that point. So, um, they're, if, you know, they're unwilling to pay. And I realized, you know, there's different reasons, but the nurses would be so excited. And then I would have that. And that in the beginning was a little discouraging, um, but I really felt strongly that I wasn't going to change what I, you know, how much I charged or what I ended up doing. And I'm glad in retrospect that I made that decision. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times, because a lot of times it's not the price, it's more the message, right? And it forces you to kind of look and say, all right, well, what am I telling them that the outcome is and and what I'm offering? And that's all marketing as well, because if they think you're going to come in and do like a little in-service, yeah, that sounds like that would something be free. If you're going to come in and change the way everybody practices, like that is not a free thing. And if you give that away, they won't appreciate it at all. Exactly. Exactly. I feel like it sends the wrong message and it's somewhat devaluing, not just to me, but then anyone else that would end up doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So then you, um, at what point did you transition into health coaching and why did you do that? Um, that was about, I guess that was only about two years ago. And what, when I was working for in Connecticut, I really helped with people who um, are what's called third party. So somebody donated their eggs or someone carried somebody else's pregnancy And it was a good role for me to have working remotely because most of those clients were all over the US. So it wasn't like they were used to seeing a nurse in the office. So it was really about coordinating care. Um, And I loved doing it and I liked the patient care part. And then they started to hire really for that um, position to be more in the office. And so I started doing more nursing stuff, more policies and procedures, which is not my good thing. I actually have another friend that I, asked to help me with that. And then I was like, I really miss patient care. Um, How can I do this? And how can I help patients in all other states? And I, when I looked into it, it just became prohibitively expensive to do as a nurse, to give medical advice. And I realized what I really liked was helping people. And what I missed as a nurse and I didn't have time for was talking to people with polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is one of my passions we're talking to people about their their weight and doing it in a very sensitive uh, way where it's really about health and weight is just a measurement of health. And you don't, you know, as a busy nurse, you can't really talk about it. You can't dive into it. And for some people, it's such an uncomfortable conversation that it's not done well, mostly because we care so much, but due to our discomfort, we don't do it well. 
So I looked into health coaching to really kind of learn the stuff that I didn't know. And then I realized this is a way to help patients everywhere. And so then I would go to a conference and meet and talk to people and they'd say, can we send this person to you? Because we sort of don't know, you know, what to do or how to help them, or we want to help them, but we don't have the time. We don't have the materials. Um, and I talked to people usually weekly in the beginning, give some support and accountability. Um, and then I found that that was, that filled my need for the patient care aspect that I realized I was missing. Um, where did you get your health coaching cert, um, cert certificate? Um, through Health Coach Institute. So it's HCI, it's all online. And with it, you get a life coaching certificate, which sounded really like weird to me. I was like, I don't want to do this or be called this. You know, like, what is that? And I can tell you, I use the, the information of life coaching more almost than the health coaching because it really has to do with, like I said, behavioral coping mechanisms, even helping my regular infertility clients and nurses. A lot of times with the nurses, you know, when I teach the pregnancy module, there's always the, what happens when the pregnancy doesn't work out? How do you have a difficult conversation? And I role play with them because this is adult learning, right? They want to actually be in it. They don't want to just hear me talk about it. So we literally role play where I'm the client that they have to give the bad news to. And so I realized that they call me and they would, they would call me. And when they say something, you know, it's very short or abrupt because of their discomfort. So then I use some of the behavioral techniques that I learned in life coaching to talk about how to have a difficult conversation, you know, how to get information to people, how to support people, you know, how to work with adults um, in both as clients and, you know, as colleagues. And so it, it really helped me when originally I, I kind of like laughed it off um, to learn all of those, those aspects really, I found very helpful working with emotions and um, habits you know, neuroplasticity, behaviors, all of that stuff, I always find fascinating. Um, my real passion is like, is really diminishing weight bias or anti-fat bias in healthcare settings. And it gives me an opportunity, both of these to, to talk about that. I always talk about weight in every one of my talks with nurses. Um, and when I have my clients, most of them fit, are in an obesity category. We really, really talk about taking care of themselves. But for me, it's taught teaching healthcare providers about really having that sensitivity towards someone who looks a certain way or is in a bigger body. Many right. of them have been biased for you know decades against. Yeah, and I, I think that's so important. And you know, nurses definitely get those um, skills in the therapeutic communication. They're not to the extent that we need it because some of these uncomfortable conversations that we have to have with people, like you said, it's it's something that we just avoid. But I think we're we're a thousand times better than the medical school that <laughs> hasn't gotten any of that. You know, they don't learn how to talk to people. Um, so we're ahead of the curve, but still a long way to go in, in helping people to, to make a change because, um, like you said, that being, um, you know, just a, a marker of health, um, and being able to talk about it in a sensitive way is so important. Uh, I love your description of, of life coaching. I, I think life coaching has gotten a really just kind of like bad rap, um, in terms of it being like kind of a woo-woo weirdo type of thing, but what you just said about behavioral and relationships and working with emotions, that is so, so, so important. Um, and so, you know, without labeling yourself as a life coach, you work as a life coach and, and really make a difference with people. So I think that's, that's awesome. And I, I love how you've done that. It's very, 
uh, it's so professional. You come off very well um, and just very credible and authoritative. So that, that's awesome. Um, so now what do you offer? How do you work with clients? Do you work with them one-on-one? -on -one? Do you do groups? Do you have courses? So I still, that has been an iteration. <laughs> There's been a lot of pivots. Uh, I found that I, so I wanted to make this course and I found that I was reading a lot about how to make a course and not making a course. <laughs> I'm like, this is a lot of input and no output. I just was talking to a colleague about that the other day. So I was like, I'm just gonna do it. It's not gonna be perfect. It's not gonna look good at first, but I need to get the information on there. So I made a course. Um, this is uh, for health. This is for nursing education. I should distinguish between. I plan to do one for the health coaching, but for nursing education. And then it was sort of how am I going to? Are these going to be a membership to the course? Is how am I going to do that? So what I decided is that I am going to use the course in addition to my um, sessions, which are remote and usually about two hours weekly for certain cohorts of nurses. So they would be given um, a link to the course to look at before they speak to me. That seems to work well. And then that link lasts. They would be able to go back and look at the information. And that also allows me to make my hourly rate higher because they're getting access to the course without worrying about membership rates, without worrying about um, so many different kind of things that can go into a course alone. So what works best for me in terms of the nursing education has seemed to be the course with the modules and then and then uh, me meeting with them af afterwards to go over everything. I use a whiteboard a lot. I actually have it behind me all the time. Um, if I was artistic, I feel like I'd be fierce, by the way. Like that would just, <laughs> I would just be unapproachable, <laughs> but I'm not artistic. So I've actually decided also that for me, there's certain um, aspects of what I do that are worth spending money in outsourcing. One of them is I have a really good graphic designer uh, who makes pictures for me. As you can imagine, in you know women's health, there's a lot of images that have to be made. He makes pictures for me and my slides. And then I have my computer IT kind of back-end guy that I pay each month. And he helps keep my site up fast. And he's also helped me kind of develop the course as well. So those two things for me are worth outsourcing and worth the monthly fee. Um, so that's what my nursing education looks like. They, somebody reaches out to me. Um, I, you know, give them a contract. We agree. And then we do these nursing sessions with these cohorts of nurses that let's say every Wednesday from two to four. So the, the previous week they get the materials, which is a link to that courses module. And then, um, which includes video, it includes PDF of articles I wrote and includes blog posts that I wrote. It includes little quick snippets of YouTube videos that I uh, have got permission to use that are helpful. Um, and then I will meet with them like that, say, that Wednesday and I usually just use the whiteboard and sometimes some slides because I assume that they've read the information. For the health coaching clients, it's a little bit different. So they reach, uh, they get referred to me. I talk to them, I talk to them about my rates assuming that they are interested, um, I send them an intake form, which is about five pages of what they're doing now. I never assume that because someone looks or has a certain weight that they're not exercising. And I think that's another myth that I that is dispelled. Many of them send me back these questionnaires where they eat move eat better than I do and move more than I do. You know, they just have a history of weight cycling and genetic disposition toward holding on to weight. Um, and so I, oh, I never assume anything when I talk to people. 
Um, and then I talk to them weekly with Zoom in the beginning. I find that when I, when it, in the very beginning, when I go two weeks or three weeks, um, it's not a, they haven't had enough support to build a habit or to change a habit. And then I'll go to every other week or sometimes monthly with some of my long-term patients. Um, I usually have them buy three sessions at a time. Um, and I find that most people need between at least six and nine sessions. Often, I probably have people that probably half the people um, that I work with work with me for nine sessions and the other half I'm still working with. They talk to me like once a month or, you know, even if they're pregnant and they just want to kind of go over and make sure that they have some support and accountability. A lot of them, it's helping them deal and cope with infertility, which where the stressor has been um, on the same bar as those who go through cancer treatments, the same loss of agency and self-efficacy and learned helplessness. And the lot for many of these women who are career smart women, um, you know, they have never, they haven't experienced this before. So it's very new to them and help teaching them how to cope and, and how to find that in other aspects of their life has been valuable, I think. Yeah, and that, that's really powerful too. And I had a, a nurse who was really interested and she had infertility issues as well. And that um, feeling um, carried over into, you know, after the baby's born and, you know, even years later of just like, you know, um, of, of having these coping issues and, and dealing uh, and she wanted to help moms uh, in that postpartum period to understand that, you know, like the infertility issues don't have to carry over <laughs> for the rest of your life. You know, it, it's not, oh. it's not your fault. And it's, yeah. So it was very interesting. Oh, I would love to meet her. That's amazing. What a, yeah. what a great resource she would be to yeah. the people that I work with. And to me, that sounds amazing. Um, all right. So what else, like, what do you think is like, what is the big picture for you, um, for your business? Where is this going? Where do you want to see like any big changes or, you know, kind of status quo for 2022 coming up and, and what are you looking to do? Um, for me, I just need to feel like there's always somewhere to grow. There needs to always be growth. Um, that's what's important to me and what, how I define growth is different. Sometimes it's financial. Sometimes it's having quality of life and having things run on their own for a little while. So I can go on a vacation for two weeks and not have to keep checking in. I don't think I've been able to do that, you know, probably for 20 years. So <laughs> to be able to have that happen, it's like, okay, I can have this run itself. I'd love to hire a couple of people to be instructors so that they would just kind of follow the course and I would have everything copyrighted. I'd love to be able to get CEUs for my course. I don't know if you've ever tried to do that. It's like having another child. It is like getting another degree. So I start doing that and I was like, I'm going to find some college student who wants to do a study or who needs to get like independent study credits to do that for me. So for me, it's always feeling like there's some area of growth and what that area is always differs. Like, so during COVID, I collaborated with some colleagues and we, on Thursdays, when the infertility center shut down, which was unheard of. Uh, we would have these nursing, um, these national nursing like meetings where we would have all these experts get on and talk to people on a Thursday for an hour when they, we, cause the nurses never had time for that. So I met all these like, great people doing that. So for me during COVID, that was, that felt like growth. That felt like a really good kind of experience. So I, I don't, I don't really have kind of, I found that when I have a set of rules or a manual about where I should be, I disappoint myself. <laughs> But I feel like if I always have, right now I'm into writing. So if I always have some sort of uh, way of doing it, and I also am really into 
helping newish nurses or nurses who have never done research or written be able to get in and do that. I, I mentor a lot of them for that. I mentor them for writing test questions, um, you know, for exams or writing test questions. I think it's a really good way for them to feel like they can always grow. You know, they didn't realize these are other things that they could do with nursing, so they stay in the field and avoid burnout. Yeah, and I, I think that's an important characteristic, especially of entrepreneurs too, because at some level we're almost unemployable because we're always kind of like looking to do the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, and and your employer wants you to kind of like stay in your lane and, and not not grow, so so to speak. Um, so yeah, that that's awesome. That's, and I, I love the idea of getting instructors in there. That that would be amazing. And yeah, the CEUs. That's one of the reasons that we haven't pursued it, just because it's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's, it's it so really painful. daunting. I mean, yeah, it's a lot of work and just really daunting. And so I'm like, I that might be one of those outsourcing things that comes along. <laughs> when I get on my slides and I pay my graphic designer off, I might go on like Fiverr, one of those places, and be like, I need somebody to set the CEU. That might be worth the money. Uh, yeah, well, when you find that person, please email me. <laughs> I'm gonna I hire would be them. happy to. <laughs> I will be happy to. Um, all right, Monica. So um, why don't you just let people know if they want to contact you or get in touch with you? How do they find you and, and what would they do? So uh, fertilehealthexpert.com is my website. Uh, I have blog posts that are helpful for both if you are interested in um, optimizing your health or infertility, reproductive endocrinology, pregnancy and pregnancy loss, um, weight, PCOS uh, is all on there. Um, and then I am on social media, Fertile Health Expert is, I am at Instagram, um, which is not clearly, as I mentioned, um, very robust, but I do <laughs> post there. <laughs> I'll probably get 21 uh, likes now, yeah, after I've moved that. <laughs> Um, and then LinkedIn, um, I post a lot um, as well. Really, I like to uh, post articles or send links to articles that I find that would be helpful for other people to be able to just get direct access to. I always find that I'm so appreciative of somebody's like, this great article came out and then I can click on it and get that. So I do LinkedIn. And uh, that is, uh, I think that's under mine. It's either under Monica Moore, I have to look, or Fertile Health um, LLC, I believe is my LinkedIn. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing this with us. Thanks for having me. It was great. I love your podcast. I've listened to a lot of episodes up till now. I love what you're doing for nurses and just making us feel like we can uh, achieve kind of anything. Thanks.